Hey, you know, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans 12. Romans 12 is where we'll be uh, this morning. And uh, I, am so, uh, I am so thrilled with these folks that work and, and, sh- and, and practice and share with us every week. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, guys, just so y'all know, we have a, uh, we have a worship pastor. Uh, it's there in your bulletin. Uh, he'll be coming here in a few weeks. And uh, some people have asked, you know, we're going to keep doing a lot of what we do in here uh, because we've gotten, um, we finally, we've gotten, we've gotten to a really a neat place. These folks up here that share with you, they really have a heartbeat um, for, uh, for, for what they're doing. And so, uh, so don't be worried about new things that happened. All right. We're going to do, we're going to do what God called us to do. And uh, we're going to keep, uh, we're going to keep praising the Lord in here. Right. And this, uh, in this service. So look forward to it. So, uh, so I wanted to tell you about that. He won't be here for a few weeks, uh, but he's a great guy. Loves the Lord with all his heart and, uh, and, um, and his wife also, but, uh, he'll be coming by himself for a few months because they have a senior in high school. Uh, that's going to be graduating uh, in May. So the rest of his family will join him in May, but he'll be here somewhere mid to late February. We'll keep you updated on that. Hey, if you've got a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to be. <clears throat> this is a great passage. In fact, I'm not going to say it's used out of context, but most of the time, if you know anything about Romans chapter 12, it, you know these verses. If you've been a believer very long or if you've been in church very long, you've heard these verses. In fact, uh, these are probably even memory verses, if you've ever done that before. You know, it's that Romans 12, you know, one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, and all the rest. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. But I, that's, those are verses that usually are used, you hear verse 1 and 2, but you don't ever understand why he's saying it, and you don't ever see the context. The context is verse 3 through 8 when it's talking about the body of Christ. And you'll see it is powerful. It is a powerful, in fact, it is, I mean, it is absolutely brilliant. Uh, this, this, if you will, this metaphor for who we are. This series that we started a few weeks ago, I'm so excited about it. This is us, you know, and as I've shared with you, it's a, it's a TV program, I have never seen it. And I know you're shocked, but I, but I love the title, okay? This is us. Knowing who you are, okay, plural, knowing who you are. If you're a believer here today, okay, I want you to understand there's something you need to understand about who you are individually, but also what that looks like. I think most people miss it because we live in such an individualistic type culture where, where you're constantly bombarded with achieving, with standing out, with getting ahead. You do understand that every time you get ahead, there's a handful of people that get behind. That's not who he's called you to be, okay? He has called you, all right? He's called you to be a part of something. And uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, you know? When we talk about church, I had to kind of ask you to punt everything you think you know about it and look at what the scripture says of what it really is. Jesus said, upon this rock, that is who Christ is and what he came to do, right? Upon this rock, Jesus said, quote, I will build my church. My church, so it's his, it's not yours, it's his. I would my church, and it says that the gates of hell, you won't be able to prevail against it. So 
there's this picture then. There's this picture, and there are many different symbolisms. I mean, it's all, it's all over the scriptures. There's so much when it talks about the, about, about the church. And the church is us, okay? It's not denominations. It's not religious institutions. What Jesus was talking about with church and the biblical model of church is us, those who are true believers, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, their life's been transformed. We'll talk a little bit more about that in Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2. The transformation that happens inside of someone who becomes his. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about family. That's another metaphor. There are many metaphors for what the church is in the scriptures. There's the family concept. That was last week. I used that <clears throat> because it talks about, obviously, God's family. And that you and I, Jesus himself said it, that you and I have a closer relationship, right? You and I have a closer relationship, if you're a believer, than my own blood relatives because of who we are in him, who we are in him. Why? Because this is us. This is us. And I need you to know who you are. Okay, not just you individual, and that's hard for us Americans to, to understand because we just so fight individualism, right? Nobody's gonna tell me what to do and I'm gonna do what I wanna do and all of those things. And I understand that piece a little bit, but in reality, that's not who he's called us to be as you're gonna see in this very first, very first. But all of the different, I know I use the word metaphor, it's just the best way to explain it. Illustrations, examples, symbols, Family was last week. We all belong, right? We're all part. Uh, building, there's a building concept. There's a bride, right? The bride of Christ. Uh, there's an army, right? That's, a, that's, a, that's one. But today we're going to use the concept of, of the body, the body of Christ, uh, of which you and I are, of what the church is called. Now, it's, it's symbolism, right? Okay, it's, it's a symbolism. We're going to use the symbolism to kind of its full extent today because I want you to get this piece. This is a big piece to get, though. And the problem with today is, is you're going to have to turn your back on the things that this world teaches you because this world will definitely teach you not to sign up for that, right? You'll see it in just a minute. It's really clear. But this is who, who, who he's called us to be, you know? This whole body concept. Now, in fact, the very concept of membership, I've actually had people tell me, oh, they're the same being a member in the Bible. Oh my gosh. It's all over. In fact, the, the word membership is a biblical term. In fact, the, the, you know, the country clubs and the, and the gyms have stolen membership, all right, from the scriptures. In other words, being a member, you know what a member is. A member is a part of the body. Therefore, if you dismember, that's a little gross, but if you dismember a body, that means you're cutting away the members from the body. So therefore, membership was a biblical example of the church, and then obviously people have called it membership, that is, you join up and be a part. I want you to understand, though, the biblical model is, is that you're born into it, right? You're born into his family, you become part of an overall group, that he himself is building. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church. So he's at work. And there's something really encouraging about that, that he is at work. But see, with our individualism in our culture, we have this thought of, well, he's at work in my life. Okay, we gotta get away from that. 
He's at work in us, fitting us together. And there's something about being able to function together in unity that he wants us to learn. You know, sometimes I, but who am I to question, right? But sometimes I think, I mean, these are in some of my weaker moments, but sometimes I think, you know, Lord, it'd be a whole lot easier if it wasn't for all these people. Does that make sense? You know how hard it is to get three people on the same page, much, much less everybody. And yet it's that impossible task that he wants us to do. We are strongest when we're connected. We are strongest when we're together, when we put a whole lot of different parts, members, with all different functions together. It's incredible what can happen. In fact, it's impossible unless God's at work in us. That I have found out. That I have found out. So let's go ahead and jump into today, because I want you to, today is all about function, functioning, okay? Who we're supposed to be. I've talked to you about who we were supposed to be, and then that gives rise to what we're supposed to do. We'll talk about what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, but that's pretty clear, you know, the Great Commission, go you therefore, right? And all of the missions and all the other things, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But I want you to understand that a lot of effort and a lot of writing in the scriptures is put into who we're supposed to be. But most people just skip that. Oh, let's just get, let's skip all that. Let's get, let's get going on what we're supposed to be doing. And the body's never healthy enough to do what we're supposed to be doing. So usually you start well and then you crash, right? You start well, yeah, we're gonna do this, you know, and then whoosh, when the emotions are all gone. A healthy body is one that's connected and it's incredible what can happen through it. All right, so I think you get that part. So let's jump into it. I'm gonna have to go a little quicker today. I'm gonna fly through some of this because again, there's so much I wanna tell you and and, but I think you're getting the, the, the concept of what is the analogy of what's being used here. So number one, if you wanna take down some notes, it's every believer is a part. I use the word part as opposed to member, but I, after I probably put, should have put member in there, but I'm not talking about a member like joining up. I'm talking about a functioning part of the body. That is a hand or, you know, a foot or an eye or an ear or something. Therefore, every, everybody who is a believer, God is at work in your life after you've become a believer to get you into his family, or in this particular analogy, to, to, to join you to the rest of the body using your gifts and abilities uh, to benefit the whole. That's the picture. You'll see it, it's really clear. And he talks about it straight up front in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. And this is what he says. He says, <clears throat> I appeal to you. The old King James says, I beseech you, I urge you, almost I beg you is what Paul's saying, all right? Uh, therefore, brothers, to present, uh, excuse me, by the, because of God's mercy, all right? So I'm begging you, uh, you know, that is with the foundation or because of God's mercy in your life. That is because, because you have become a believer, because you've understood who, he, who Christ is, what he came to do, because of the differences that has come into your life, because of all of those things, here's what I want you to do. I want you to present your bodies, that is who you are, as a living sacrifice, which is reasonable, and which I believe is the highest form of worship. Does that make sense? You see it? Which is your spiritual worship. 
It is who you are supposed to be. And a lot of times people say, well, worship, we just had worship. That was, no, that's music. That's worship through music, yes. But this is a different picture. He goes on to talk about their living sacrifice. Well, let's talk about it. What's a sacrifice? A sacrifice usually is when you give something uh, away that doesn't benefit you, but it benefits others or a group. Like in baseball, a, guy, a guy's on first or a guy's at third or whatever, and, and the guy squares around the button, he gets out on purpose to get his fellow teammate from one base to another. That is the advancement of a teammate. So sacrifice is giving of who you are. Time, talents for the betterment of others, your group, or, or just for the betterment of others. The ultimate sacrifice is giving your life, right? Memorial Day, we celebrate those who have given their lives so the, for the betterment of us. And what is that? We live in freedom today. You realize you live in freedom today because others have sacrificed. Therefore, you understand the concept with Christ. You live in freedom in here because of who he was and what he came to do. It's an amazing analogy. But when you go back to, what do you mean to present yourself? Not, a, not an ultimate sacrifice, not die. But therefore, I want to sacrifice. That is what my time, gifts, and abilities can do to benefit me. And I want it to benefit the group. That's what he's talking about here. Jeff, I don't know if I see that in there. You'll see it in the following verses. It's just most of the time, nobody ever reads past verse two, okay? But it's what he says here. He says, present them, that is give. Now, let me tell you this, you will never do that unless God has changed your life. Therefore, because of God's mercy. Why would anybody do that? Why would I sacrifice my time and talents and abilities? I mean, what do I get out of it? That's the world's way. That makes sense, right? <clears throat> Look at the next verse. It says, don't be conformed to this world. That's why he says that. This world is not ever going to do that. That would be dumb. You have to be a believer, a true believer, a born again believer, to even think about this. Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Why would I do that? I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Well, that's what the world does. What he's saying here is, is that even though you have to live in this world, that's why I keep telling you, that's why I keep saying stuff like culture, the culture in which you live, because the culture in which you live goes the exact opposite of who God wants you to be. And so he goes on to say this, is this, they'll be conformed. That is, don't follow in the mold of this world. It says here, but be transformed. Transformed is a pretty good, uh, is a pretty good illustration or a pretty good translation. The word transform uh, the word trans means to change, okay? Therefore, like, uh, like transport, what do you do? You change ports. So you take it from one port to the other, therefore transportation. Transform means you change the form of. That means something different that is there that wasn't there before. It's the Greek word metamorphosis, right? That is used, you know, like the worm that, you know, the caterpillar turns into the butterfly. Therefore, there's something that wasn't there before has has radically changed. So what he's telling you is because of God's mercy, because of the difference that's been made in your life, don't conform to the world. Why? Because you're better than that. Because it's who you are, right? So he says transform by the renewal of your mind. Interesting. So that you can know what God's will is. His good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, that's verses one and two, right? right? Number two, number two. 
is every part is important. Now in this body concept, right? In this body analogy, metaphor, whatever, he uses, again, let me just kind of throw it all to you. He uses that, that, is that you have one body, but you have multiple members. It's all one. And, and obviously Christ is the head. And so the whole body moves and functions when it works together. But when it doesn't, it, it just doesn't, it, it, it's not what it could be. All right, chapter 12, verse one and two, right? You know, presented by living sacrifice. Look at verse three. For the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgments. So what's he talking about here? Well, you'll see in just a minute that he's talking about the giftings, that is the part of the body that you are, figuratively, symbolically in, in the body of Christ. In this, in this thing that's put all together, right? So don't think of, number one, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now we have a handful of people that do that. I, it's been my experience in doing what I do and being with a whole lot of people. Most people don't think more highly of themselves than they ought to. Some do, God bless them. Most people think a whole lot lower than they should. Does that make sense? Most people say, well, I can't see where I could be of any help or I can't see where I could be any difference. But remember, it's not your choice if you're his. And he's gifted you just because you might not think it's important. Comparison is a vicious game. And a lot of times we don't think what we do is important until you can understand how God's gifted you, right? We'll talk a little bit more about this next week and the unity of how everybody works together. But I just want you to understand that every part's important, right? And you shouldn't look at yourself as an overinflated view or an underinflated view of the importance of it. Look at verse four, same chapter, same, I beseech you therefore brethren, look at verse four. For as in one body, we have many members, one body, many members. And the members do not all have the same function, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is the parallel passage to this, it says, but it says in, in verse 14, it says, it says, uh, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Therefore, if the foot says, because I'm not the hand, okay, I'm not, I don't belong to the body. So you have this metaphor of the different parts of the body talking to one another. It's brilliant when you look at it. It's the, it's the foot, you know, saying, gee, I wish I could be a hand. All right? Look what all the hand can do. And yet, when you take a sober judgment, look at it. It's the foot that gets the hand to where it needs to get so that the hand can do what it's supposed to do. You understand, the, it's a brilliant illustration, right? It's an absolutely brilliant illustration when you look at it. Therefore, you may not think what you do is that big of a deal, but when you add it all together, it's pretty awesome. Therefore, it's not all about just one part of the body being awesome. It's about everybody working together. You know, one of my favorite stories, 
you know, in the Olympics, I, it was 92 or 94. I've shared this with you before, but I just love it because it's just so incredible. It was the Olympics uh, basketball, and uh, we had all of our dream teams, right? And, and I remember, I was actually watching it at the time and watching them play, you know, as they kill most everybody they played. But they, they came up against Lithuania, and the dream team lost to Lithuania. Now, who does even know Lithuania? Who can even find that on a map? Okay, don't tell me if you can. You don't want to admit that. Who can even find Lithuania on a map? And yet they beat the dream team by four points. And, of course, there were celebrations, right? You know, they tore up stuff in Lithuania for days, right? And, uh, and but they interviewed this guy. I'll never forget as long as I live. They interviewed this Lithuanian basketball player, right? After the game, of course, he's pretty pumped up. That's the win of a lifetime. If you're an athlete, that's one of those, okay, you never should have come close, but you wind up doing the unimaginable, right? And probably, if you've been an athlete, it's probably only happened to you once, all right? But anyway, so he's obviously ecstatic, and, 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 uh, and you know, how did y'all do it? How did y'all do it? And after all of this time, he, he calmed down. He says, let me tell you something. He's looking at this reporter. He says, let me tell you something. He said, those guys over there pointing to the Americans, he says, those are the, those are the best basketball players on the planet. Okay? They're the best basketball players in the world. He says, but basketball is a team game. We've been playing together for years. We play as a team. We know what each other's going to do. Okay? They don't. Interesting, huh? So therefore, a superstar doesn't have to always be noticed. He'll give up, give up of himself for the betterment of the team. It's incredible what a team can do when they play together. They can beat the best team in the world. Isn't that interesting? And so this is the concept. We know it to be true, and yet we, we like to individualize people. We like to set people up on a pedestal and say, they're awesome, they're awesome, they're awesome. And what happens is it takes away from the, from the total, right? It takes away from the big picture. Every part is important. Every part's important, no matter what you do. You know, giving you an illustration, I've used this before, but any of you that ever come to dinner with the pastor, by the way, we have dinner with Pastor Tuesday if some of you are guests with us and would like to come to that. But I always share <coughs> my story of how I became a believer. But part of it is I remember when I was playing football in college, I broke my ankle. And uh, in fact, it shattered. It's that little bone on the, on the lower part of the leg, right? And it's about this long, right? This, this little bone's about this long in it, and it, it shattered. So I have a steel plate and, and eight screws in this ankle, right? But I remember, I remember when, when that broke, it was, it, was, it was traumatic in my own brain because it just was, it was, it took my breath when it, when it happened. And anyway, long surgery, five hours, you know, they put me back together, and I was in this cast. But I remember when I woke up, is that I've never felt that much pain in all of my life. And so what happened was, is that, is that for the rest of, rest of the night, okay, the rest of my body stayed up all night to keep my ankle company. <laughs> all right, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because this is us, right? We're connected, and when you're connected, it's just that feel. I'll talk more about that next week. But when you're connected, 
Y'all celebrate when something good happens and y'all hurt when something bad happens. It's just kind of that picture. But it's not something that's contrived. It is something that should be real and experienced. If I'm reading here what the scripture says, guys, I have a passion for sharing with you what it says, not what I think it says, but what it says. And then there's this picture then, because for, gosh, for 12 weeks, I was in a cast on that one. And I remember that I got really good with crutches, all right? And plus I got the elevator key for all the buildings on the college campus where I went, right? It was awesome, all right? People followed me around. Hey, Jeff, can we ride the elevator with you? All right, but it, it slowed me down big time because of this one little bone. You see, what you think could be insignificant, and I have to be honest that most of my days go by where I don't even think about that bone in my ankle. Why would you? Well, it's functioning the way it should. Most of the time you don't realize there's a problem until there's a problem, right? It's just, I just want you to see it. What you may think is insignificant, that is giftings you have, are vital to the overall look. Interesting, huh? Number three, every part is interdependent. Now you're not gonna like this, especially if you live in this world and you kind of you adopted the philosophy of this world. I find it interesting that number one, that Christ has made us dependent on him, the head, obviously. But also, this is an amazing thing, he's also made us dependent on one another. And most of us don't like that, especially in this world. You know, don't trust anybody, don't count on anybody, do it yourself, you know. But remember this, guys, it's not who he's called you to be. And I understand it's a pain, you know. Some of my darker moments, I said, Lord, I could have a great church if it wasn't for all these people. <laughs> but then it dawned on me that the church is people. And there's something about us learning to work in concert with each other that God wants. Because he's made and, and caused our usefulness to be dependent upon each other connecting together. Is that not incredible? That's the way he's done it. You know, and somebody said, well, I don't agree. Well, that's fine. Well, you, you can argue with it if you want to, but that's what it says. Take a look at the passage in verse uh, four again, then we'll read to verse five. It says this, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ. Look at this, and individually members one of another. So it's the same, it's the concept I talked about the foot and the hand. The hand's not gonna be able to do what it's supposed to do unless the foot gets it there, right? It can do a little bit, but not like it could if they're working together. I don't know why it's that way. Because you and I, this is why I'm, I'm concerned with the, with the church, like with families. Because with technology, we have this ability to be able to contact and to communicate with one another without really having to, to be all in. Right? You right, 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 right. And if you don't want to talk to them anymore, just stop texting them, all right? Stop sending them anything, okay? They'll get the hand eventually. But that's not, you know, used to a family, you had to get along, even when it was at its worst. 
Now you just cut somebody off. Right? It's not who he's called us to be, guys. He's called us to bear with one another. Forgive one another. You know, those are easy things to talk about until it happens to you. It's an amazing thing. It's a miracle, right? That's, that's the incredible part of it. What he's calling us to do is impossible for us to do on ourselves. How in the world are you going to get these people all on the same page? All right? You can't get three people on the same page. Well, when he does it and when it happens, it's incredible. You'll give him the glory for it because you know only he was the one that could have done it. God never intended you for you to make an impact for him by yourself. That's just not the picture in the scriptures anyway. Doesn't mean that he can't do it, but the greater impact is gonna come when we all connect together and say, my time, my abilities, I sacrifice to the group, right? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, it's an incredible thing to think about. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, for if one member suffers, all suffer together. Why? Because we're interdependent. That's the ankle thing I was sharing with you about, right? If one member is honored, all rejoice together. In other words, when we have a win, we win. But it's not applauding a person, right? It's what's been so neat to see about these group of musicians up here. They really have a heartbeat to all play together and they're not really worried. They're not worried worried if one of them, if I have to be up this week, I don't have, you know. It's been neat to see, but that's what you look for. Not one person doesn't want to rise to the top and be, it's like I told you last week in a family. If a family, if one family member gets all of the focus, you're going to have an unhealthy family eventually. It's not who a family's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a unit, right? Anyway, he goes on to say, now you are the body of Christ. Guys, this is us. If you're his, right? I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about being born into this. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually, members of the bigger whole. So it's this cool concept. It's brilliant, to be honest with you, because when you start looking at it, it's interesting. So what are some of the different gifts, right? Hands, feet. Well, that's number four, and that's where I'll finish up today. It says every part has its own function. So everybody is different, and there are things that make us different, right? Right? In Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Guys, this is the same verse, chapter that starts out with <coughs> presenting your body as a living sacrifice. And it says here, okay, in verse, uh, in verse 6, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace uh, given to us. Okay? So all of our gifts are different. You know, isn't it interesting? that there are spiritual gifts, there are natural talents. We'll talk about all of them in just a minute. But they're listed here. Look at it. Prophecy in proportion to our faith. Serving, right? Teaching. Now, these are what we call spiritual gifts. There's, a, there's another list in 1 Corinthians. But I'm just going to do this list of eight. And what are these? These are gifts that God gives that help us spiritually to help one another. And not everybody has all the gifts. I find that interesting that he hands them out as he wants to. But there's something about wanting to make us dependent on one another in order to do what he's called us to do. If not, he would just give all the gifts to a handful of people and let them do it. No, it's, a, it's interesting how he set it up. All right? 
But number one's the spiritual gifts. What are spiritual? Well, number one's the prophecy. A lot of people say, well, does that mean you can see the future? Absolutely not. Most of the time, people misinterpret what the role of a prophet is. Just look at the Old Testament. What was the role of the prophet? Usually the role of the prophet was that God called a, a guy or a gal, and uh, mostly men, but there were some women, and, and obviously he would send them to warn the people. They'd gotten way off track, and he was saying, hey, listen, there's a problem here. And the, and the goal of the prophet was to make sure people heard God's word and what he said to them, usually to warn them. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add some stuff to this. When you think about the body, okay, the body has different systems, okay? All right, it has different systems. And when you think about these systems that go on, they all function together when they function healthily. That's why it's titled today, Healthy Body. All right. If I wanted to give, if I wanted to name the word prophet for a system in the Bible, in the body, it would be the immune system. That's what the role of the prophet is. Seek and destroy, right? Therefore, you have an immune system that seeks in your body to find anything that would cause harm to the body as a whole. Therefore, the role of the prophet, and by the way, you don't need many of them. All right, they'll kill you if you have too many. But their desire is to keep anything harmful away from the body. You'll find them in the scriptures when it says that they were just, they were just wolves in sheep's clothing. So another metaphor for the, for the church is, is sheep, right? And so there are those that come in to cause disunity and cause other things. Therefore, a lot of times the, the role of the prophet will, will, will be that immunity type thing, right? Now, but it needs to be balanced with the other systems. Now, this is fascinating, guys. Think about this. And I'm, I'm adding this to it. This immunity part is just my helping you understand. Okay, that's not part of the scriptures, right? But I, I'm, I'm thinking it might help. So, so what happens when you, when anytime you focus too much in one area, right? It's like if you focus way too much on, on the dangers we have out there, then the immunity system goes haywire. Have you ever heard of autoimmune diseases? You know what autoimmune diseases are? It's when your own immunity starts attacking your body. All right? Different things in the body. I think like some arthritis. I think some other things are those things, you know, that autoimmune. So you have struggles if it's out of balance one way, but you also have struggles if you have a weak immunity because you're susceptible to diseases. Does that make sense? So there's a level not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Not to think of yourself more lowly than you ought to think in all of these different areas. But when it functions at normal levels, it's pretty cool to think about. What's the next one? Serving, okay? Serving. Uh, if service, then serving. That's, a, that's another, what we call a spiritual gift. God gives gifts. I believe that the, word, that the serving is the largest num number gift, numerical gift in the local body, right? Because it is what is the most needed. I, I kind of, this is kind of the muscular system and skeletal system. This is the thing that makes everything go. Because if you're not, if you, if you're not willing to serve, then the rest of the body, then, then it, you're, it's, it's a fruitless effort anyway. But I believe that it, most people have this gift. In fact, the scriptures even teach that the greatest among us will be the servants of all. Sometimes that gift of serving is not, it's not as highly regarded, but the scriptures don't say that. The scriptures highly regard this gift. But it's huge when you think about 
that part of the body is to everything. The next one is teaching. It's a spiritual gift, teaching. This person has a passion. I call this the digestion, or if you will, nutrition. This person's passion is to teach. Part of mine is that. I have a passion for people to know and to understand. People can grow with the right nutrition, but if it gets out of balance, either way, it can cause a problem, right? Interesting, huh? What's the next one? Well, exhortation means to encourage. I don't know about you, but encouragement is an amazing thing. I almost call this the, the adrenaline, right? When you're on a long run, they call it the second wind. What happens? You know, if you've, you're going, I don't know, Jeff, I hate running. I get you. But I, I have done some of it. And uh, when you're out running and all of a sudden you feel like you're going to die and your mind starts screaming at you, stop, you idiot. And then something happens. Something kicks in. Something changes. And all of a sudden there's this renewed whatever and you can finish strong even. I, that's the encouragement, people. I'm not talking about just you have it naturally. I get spiritual gift is that you have the ability to encourage people. Why? Because the life that you live in is hard. And if there's anything we need is encouragement. I, we've got them in our church here. I know we do because I've recognized you and I'll go out of my way to walk by you, by the way. They're fun people to be around. There's always a desire to build you up, to encourage you. It's a gift. It's an incredible gift. And it's a hugely necessary gift. But a lot of times somebody like an encourager say, well, I can't say I'm that big of a deal. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, if you had everybody like me, you'd be in trouble. Right? All right, interesting. All right, again, we've got to move on. All right, so exhorting or encouraging, all right? One who contributes, that's just to give. The gift, someone who has the gift of giving. And it's not just financially, but it does include that. The person with the gift of giving has a desire to meet needs, to provide, and it's a huge need. It's one that goes throughout the body. This is the circulatory system, right? This is the one that, that, that gives, right? Takes everything else and it gives it to the rest of the body to make it healthy. You get any of them out of balance, if you get a problem with your blood, you've got problems. Just like with any of these systems. You get a problem with them, you got problems, the rest of them start having problems. It's this interconnected feel that it puts it together, right? All right, the one who leads. Uh, some people have called that administration, organization. I call that the nervous system. They're the ones that keep everybody on the same page. They're the ones that notify you, hey, there's a problem over there, right? They're just, you don't need too many of these because they'll kill you, but you do need some of them. Nothing worse than a disorganized mess. Oh, we don't have to organize, let's just do it. Yeah, 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 that's spoken like a, someone who doesn't have this gift, all right? You just do better when it's put together right. It's organized, it's just amazing how it all works. And when you put these all together, oh, let's look at the last one. Mercy, do it with chillfulness, what's mercy? Mercy is a huge gift. People that have this gift don't think it's that big a deal, but it's huge. Why, because the life you live is hard you're gonna have hard times. And when you run into somebody that has this gift, it's remarkable to, remarkable to behold. 
I think my wife has partially part of this one. Not just having sympathy, but having empathy. And there's a big difference. You want these people around because they help. Because it is so easy when something tragic happens to slip into despair. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not there now, then it's easy to forget, oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, no, no. You just have to remember what it was like to be there. Whenever you slip into despair, you begin to doubt everything around you. I don't know, somebody with the gift of mercy not only has the ability to sympathize, but to empathize. It's almost like they can, they can help you carry that burden. I know that Martha, at times, she'll, if you're having trouble with your stomach, if she talks to you long, she'll start having a problem with her stomach. It's a gift. I, I, it's, it's one of the most important. I can't tell you how important it is. Because despair in those dark places, they're not good places to be. And they're not, definitely not places for the body of Christ to be. So you see all these functions that run around together. And when they all function together, when they all look at who they are and the gifts that they have as to be sacrificed and given to all the others, then you've got a perfectly healthy functioning body that can accomplish a whole lot. But anytime you get anybody that thinks, well, you know, I'm not being appreciated and I'm going to stop doing that and hold the body hostage, then you got problems. We'll talk more about that next week. But that's what happens when you don't be, if you conform to this world, because that's the way the world acts. But that's not you. Why? Because you're transformed. You're different, right? You're different. Let me run through the rest of these. So the spiritual gifts, you see how they all work, but there's more than just spiritual gifts that, that include the gifts that you have. The, and number two is the heart. You have a particular heart, a passion for different things, you know? Um, some of you have a passion for sports. Some of you have a passion for, for, for you know, the, the arts and theater and music. Some of you have a passion for whatever. But that God can use that passion. It's incredible as, 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 as to make a difference in the whole. Number three is abilities. These are natural abilities. These are not spiritual gifts. These are things you were born with, right? Those that, those that are music are obviously the greatest illustration. But some of you just have just simple abilities, whether they be trained or untrained. They're just something that you have. God's gifted you with those. You had those before you became a believer. Spiritual gifts come after you become a believer, and everybody has one. But natural abilities vary. Some have a whole lot, some don't have as much. But what you're saying is when you're a believer, God has all of me, and I want to be a part of something bigger than me, right? And he puts that with inside the believer. Interesting how it works, isn't it? Number four is personality. There are all kinds of personalities. Oh, my, my goodness. Personalities are fascinating to me, right? Do you know that the statistics tell us, secular statistics, right? that half of you in the room are introverted and half of you are extroverted, right? So here's, here's what I want you to see. Every personality, okay? Every personality is different and every personality is usable. What do you mean by that whole introvert, extrovert? Well, some of you are introverted because I'm, to be honest with you, I'm a little like you. Doesn't mean you're shy, it just means you don't have to talk all the time, all right? And sometimes you can just kind of sit back, not get involved. Listen to me. If you're a believer, hear me. We need you. Are you hearing me? 
Because somebody is just, just kind of sit back. No, 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 we, we need you. There's all kinds of different personalities. There's some people that are more project-oriented, some people that are people-oriented. And you keep going down all the different personalities and how they work. Some have, they lead more with how they feel, others lead more with how they think. I mean, on and on and on and on it goes. But you have a, a variation of that that we need, right? That we need. It's an incredible thing. Incredible thing to think about. All right? And then number five, finally, our experiences. This is something that is unique to you. Every one of you in the room have different experiences, unless you're extremely young. Even then you have them. But the older you get, the more experiences you have. And the more experiences you have, the more usable those experiences are in the whole. Right? Therefore, if you've been through something, or if you've learned something, or if you've gained knowledge about something, somebody who hasn't been there before, you become like a gold mine to them. In our Celebrate Recovery here, if you've had an addiction and you've beaten it, you are like gold to those who haven't beaten it yet. Because they can look at you and say, if they can do it, I can do it too. Does that make sense to you? Experiences, God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes anything in your life that he can't use to make a difference in someone else's. I have never been in combat, right? But I've talked to a lot of people, and there's several in here who have been in combat, combat situations. I want you to know that what I'm told is that everybody in the squad looks at one person, and it's the person or persons who has been in combat before, right? Because they've been there and nobody else has. You look to the person with experience. And from what I've heard is that even when things start to happen, everybody looks at the person who has the experience to see how they're reacting. You know, it's kind of like when you've never been on a plane before, airplane, and you look around you, especially at the, at the flight attendants. You know, the plane does all kinds of things and you look at the panic on their face. If they just treat it like it's normal, then you're fine. Does that make sense? We look to the people with experience. I don't know what your experiences are. Maybe you still blame God for an experience you had, but you have no idea how he could use it if you committed to the whole. Does that make sense? So you look at this entire thing. It's, it's incredible who he's called us to be. And yet, so many times we have a hard time because of our, the world around us, especially where we are here in the States, is individualistic. But we will never be able to do what God's called us to do if it's all about me, right? Why would I sacrifice who I am and what my talents are for anybody but me? Or maybe I could help people a little bit, but not, not a living sacrifice, not a total one, right? Interesting, interesting. A couple of things to learn, this world will be done, right? These are just review. These are just things I want you to take with you. Number one, guys, what I'm talking about is not an option for you if you're a believer. It's who he's called you to be. Right? If you're part, because of God's mercy, that is, if truly you've experienced his grace and mercy in your life and you've been transformed, then you've got to overcome a lot of things to do it. I understand. The only thing that would exclude you is if you're really, really young in your faith and you still need time to grow. That, you just need to plug in and grow and learn and mature before you plug in. 
But the more you grow and mature, the more you realize, I want to be a part of something. I just don't want to sit. Guys, what we do mostly here, most of the ministry here to the body of Christ happens in our small groups. Right? It just does. Therefore, I try to tell you is that you're going to find it hard to connect here unless you're part of some sort of a small group, whether it be in the missions group or whether it be in our small groups. Why? Because that's where you know that's where the gifts can operate because the gifts are used personally. You can't, you can't, you don't have the gift of mercy from afar, you know? You can't, you can't help somebody when you don't know them. So if you just kind of show up in here, then you're gonna have a hard time plugging in, right? That makes Americans nervous now, especially since we stay so separated by our technology, right? Let me just text you, right? I don't want, no, I don't want to meet, Ugh. right? That's not who he's called us to be, right? It's not who he's called us to be. It's not an option, all right? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Number two, number two, just things to think about, things to take with you, number two. Got it? Number two, there it is. Every believer is gifted. I think I got left out, you didn't. You just hadn't found it yet. Or you haven't taken the time to look or to take a look or to search. We have an entire class here that will help you find out those gifted areas So you, if, you, if you have a desire to know. Interesting, huh? Number three, every gift's important. As I shared with you earlier, I just want to re-remind you. Sometimes, sometimes some gifts are, are what I call more showy than others. Like, let me tell you what I mean. Say if your gift is an eye. Okay, eyes are pretty cool, let's be honest. I mean, you can look at someone and, you know, they say that eyes are the window to the soul, you know, whatever that means, and the, you know, metaphysical type stuff. But you know what I mean, right? But also, too, sometimes people will look and say, well, you know, you got beautiful eyes. Okay, so some gifts are a little showier than others. You know, rarely do you say, boy, you've got, you know, great looking ears. But guys, just because the ears aren't good looking does it mean they're not important? Of course not. Just mess up your hearing. And with that goes balance and a whole lot of other things, right? So it's important, it's just not as showy. So don't think because your gift is not as showy, it's not important. More than you can imagine. And then four, is the body of Christ is we're to function in unity. There's something about that. He's not going to make us usable until we get on the same page. The cool part, we're going to talk, we're going to pick this up next week, but the cool part about that is God's got to do a miracle in us for it to happen anyway because we can't all get on the same page if we tried. But if he's at work, it's the same spirit, right? Same head, same spirit that works in all of us. That's what makes it possible. I look forward as we continue in the series, continue to talk about this is us, all right? This is us. Let's all stand. We'll have a closing prayer. Hey, if there's never been a time in your life you put your faith and trust in him and even be part of that family, there'll be some guys up here afterwards who'd love to talk to you. Guys, mainly what I'm doing during this little series time, I'm just wanting you to see who you are, right? Who you are. We, this is us, right? 